This is your host, Tia. This is your host, Tia. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Top 10. Why? Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome back to another awesome episode of the Top 10 by Geek Vibe Nation. I'm your host, as always, Tia Fabi, and I have with me this morning, Brittany. How are you doing this morning, Brittany, besides you losing your voice? (laughs) I've been, like, over here, like, muting, like, coughing, like, trying to make it sound better, but I'm like, it's a lost cause. (laughs) <laughs> Brittany has been very kind to join me this morning, even though she is losing her voice, as you can clearly hear, and this is because she is a very dedicated streamer who virtually takes no night off and spends about six hours playing video games for the entertainment of others, and so she is very, very kind in uh, letting me borrow some of her time while she's dying, but we are doing... <laughs> We are doing the top 10 worst movies of 2019. Last week, we did the top 10 best movies of the year, and it is only fair that we also explore the worst titles of this year. I mean, to me, I thought we had a lot of great films in 2019, as we explored in our previous podcast, but when I look back on my list, I thought to myself, you know what, there's some pretty bad ones here as well, so uh, I thought that we should explore them, and obviously this is any kind of movie of 2019, whether it was a movie that went to the big screen or it was one that was on, say, Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, any of the streaming services, I just wanted to explore it, so I think that Without further ado, we should kind of hop right into it. And Brittany, I am going to start with you for the number 10 on the top 10 worst movies of 2019. This movie I actually liked, but it's not good. And I feel like that's going to be the case with some worst movies of 2019 is that we actually enjoy them. But uh, I'm going to go with Glass. Because you know, I love those. That was like those series. I was trying to think, like you know, there's Unbreakable, there is uh, Split. You know, there's all these movies, and they all tie in together. But Glass had so many plot holes, so many like like spoiler alert. They killed everybody at the end. And, like, the worst way, like, one of the main characters that has been, like, that started it all gets, like, drowned in a puddle, because, like, a legitimate puddle, because his weakness is water. And, like, and it's like, here's the secret. We're all secretly superheroes. And it's like, what? What? Who? But it's like, I love Split. I loved Unbreakable. It was just like there were so many plot holes in it that it just kind of made it, I'm trying to think of the words for it, it just kind of, it wasn't great storytelling, <laughs> a lot of plot holes. Uh, that's why I'm putting it as number 10 because 
not the worst movie by far for 2019, but it definitely wasn't the best movie of 2019. Yeah, I... Remember you, especially, and other people being very excited for Glass because obviously this is kind of like M. Night Shyamalan's attempt of making his own continuous world. And Unbreakable was so successful, Split was really praised by critics and fans alike. So obviously, you would think that Glass, which is supposed to be the merging of these two movies, was also going to be really good. And I didn't see Glass. I'm not sure if I said that or not, but I didn't see Glass. So I can't attest to that, but I know that people uh, really kind of spoke to how disappointing it was because it seemed like there were so many, say, plot holes to the movie, and which is disappointing, right? You, this is something that you look forward to. Split was obviously fantastic. And it's like, you know, not every movie has to be like a franchise. It doesn't have to lead up to something. Uh, I don't know necessarily that he, like M. Night Shyamalan, necessarily had to really do that. Um, that's interesting that everyone dies at the end. I didn't know that. Uh, but yeah, you know what I did? Puddle, one good shot and... Mr. Glass gets his bones, like, all shattered and stuff. It's pretty gruesome. But you know what you made me think of when you were like, you know, uh, about, you know, bad movies and stuff? Uh, in Stu- Steven Universe, there's a saying that if every pork chop was perfect, we wouldn't have hot dogs. So that's how I feel about Glass. <laughs> I love that. Every podcast can't be completed until there is a Steven Universe reference there. So love it. Um, the only thing I know is that the other day when I was looking up, like, say, Luke Kirby gifts, he was in glass, and they showed, like, the gif of apparently James McAvoy's character crushing him to death. Wait, that was Luke Kirby? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whenever you see a character that, like, you, uh, sorry, sorry, almost choking on water, uh, it's so different whenever you, there's a character that you like, I mean, an actor that you like, and then you realize you've seen movies that they were in without even knowing, <laughs> kind of like Sam Rockwell. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what it is. Um, I, that's so funny that you didn't realize looking back on it. Uh, yeah, that that was him. Uh, he gets crushed to death, apparently. What's sad is I remember that scene. I remember that scene because it's pretty <laughs> gruesome. That happens to me all the time with actors where I look back and I'm like, holy shit. That happened recently, didn't it? Um, I feel like we were kind of hitting a kick at some point, and I was like, oh, my God, I've, I've seen this movie before. Oh, it was with um, – this may not exactly be it, but it was with Nonstop, right? And, you know, I had originally watched it because of Corey Soul, and then when we discovered Scoot McNary, I was like, wait, he was the bad guy in Nonstop. I've seen this before. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's always entertaining. Oh, oh, I know why Sam Rockwell looks so familiar to me, by the way, where I was like, I know that mole. I know that mole. Uh, I think I ended up getting him mixed up with who, who used to be married to Angelina Jolie? He's kind of like dirty, but people love him. 
Billy Bob Thornton. Yes, I think I was getting him confused with a young Billy Bob Thornton. Which, by the way, very off-topic and very random. I didn't realize, and people who listen to this are probably going to be like, yeah, so, yeah. But I didn't realize how good of an actor Billy Bob Thornton was. Because all I really knew him for was the fact that he was married to Angelina Jolie and they had a crazy relationship. You know, they carried vials of each other's blood around their neck. So I didn't, and and I don't remember really seeing anything with him in it except for, say, like Bad Santa, which, you know, that's obviously that type of role. There's nothing Oscar worthy there. Yeah. Um, But then when I watched the first season of Fargo, and he was in it, I was like, wow, Billy Bob Thornton is really good. So I uh, I, I guess he's a good actor, you know, the more you know there. Um, he's been sleeping yeah. on him. Apparently, apparently. But, yeah, Sam Rockwell, same thing. Like, he, he's been in a lot of shit because, believe it or not, he's, like, 51 years old. I thought he was, like, in his 40s. So it's, like, if you look at his filmography, like, it goes back, like, really far. And you think to yourself at first, you're like, he couldn't have been old enough to be in these movies. It's like, yes, he is. Yes, he was, because he's, like, in his 50s. So, I don't know. That's what I have to say about that. But I think that Glass is a good way to start off this list. Uh, Just because, you know, as you said, you liked the movie, but you can admit that there were a lot of plot holes to it. Oh, it was obviously. Oh, I thought you liked, but you liked it, right? Like the, it was one of those yeah, movies yeah, I loved like, it. I I liked it. I was very excited about it, but it was awful. <laughs> I think we all have those movies that are like guilty pleasures. It's like you know it's bad. There's so many things that could have been fixed about it, but regardless, you still enjoy it. Like I feel the same way about so many movies. I agree. Um, let's move on I'm going to hit the number 9 and it's a movie that I saw recently and it's a big movie and I'm not going to say it it was bad um, because I didn't like say dislike it but similar to Glass where there was a lot of plot holes it didn't feel like a uh, you know when movies just don't feel completed they don't feel like they're stitched together properly Um, yeah and that and that's how I felt about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And it's crazy because oh, you know it's obviously a big event film. It's a Quentin Tarantino film. It literally had like every actor under the sun in this movie. But I saw it recently, and by no means is it Quentin Tarantino's best movie, which I still think goes to Inglorious Bastards. But anyway. You have, uh, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio. The main thing, right, is Leonardo DiCaprio is a washed-up actor trying to stay relevant. Brad Pitt plays his stunt double. And you have that going on. And while that's going on, then you obviously have this other subplot of Sharon Tate, who, for those who I guess don't know, she was a real-life actress who unfortunately was murdered by the Manson family. So you have Sharon Tate in it, and you're thinking to yourself, like, and then they and then they show the Manson family. Do you think that all of this is going to come to, like, some extreme head at some point and that, you know, there's going to be all this, like, crisscross and yada yada? But 
everything felt so loose, you know? Everything felt as if it was kind of operating on its own playing field, and it never officially then merged into each other. Because then on top of that, while all of this is going on, then they show, like, in in the movie, Leonardo DiCaprio's character, Rick Dalton, gets, um, like, a, a small part on this Western show called Lancer. So then they keep showing, like, clips from Lancer, so you have just so many things going on, and it just really felt anticlimactic. Nothing really, like, felt concrete. And I guess, spoiler alert, the end of the movie is that the Manson family goes to the wrong house. They don't go to Sharon Tate's house. They go to her neighbor's, who is Rick Dalton. And at this moment, Rick Dalton's uh, stunt double, Cliff Booth, played by Brad Pitt, is there. And, and uh, when they break in, he literally just, like, beats them to death because he's high on L- LSD or something at this point. And they're obviously in there with, like, machetes and shit trying to kill people. And his dog ends up, like, eating someone or something. And then at some point... What's going on? What? The dog... Yeah, uh, Cliff Booth has, like, a pit bull, and the pit bull ends up, like, eating one of them, and then Rick Dalton is, like, in the pool the whole time listening to his headphones, completely unaware of what's going on until one of the killers ends up, like, crashing into the back, and he randomly has a flamethrower from one of his, like, movie sets that actually is a functioning flamethrower and ends up, like, barbecuing this person. And then at the end of the movie, while all this is going on, the cops come, obviously, they find out what happened. At the end, like, one of the people who's staying over Sharon Tate's house is like, hey, man, what was all that commotion? Rick Dalton's like, oh, yeah, these crazy hippies tried to come and murder us. It's okay, though. We we got them. And he's like, oh, you're Rick Dalton, aren't you? And, like, Rick Dalton, who's this, like, washed-up actor, feels, like, so utterly, like, blessed that someone knows who he is. And he's like, oh, man. And the other guy's like, oh, man, Sharon Tate would love to love to meet you. you got to come in, blah, blah, blah. And, that, and that's how it ends, is that Rick Dalton and Sharon Tate meet each other. So it's incredibly anticlimactic. The movie is very loose and really just discombobulated. So... I have to put Once Upon a Time in Hollywood on the list. Um, you haven't seen this movie, right? I haven't. Aaron has seen the movie, and I can't remember if he liked it or hated it, but I think even you went, like, I think he didn't much care for it, and I think you were like, but it's supposed to be, like, a great movie as Quentin Tarantino, and now that you watched it, you're like, oh, God, what happened? Yeah, that's the thing is that everyone was kind of like praising it because obviously it's a Quentin Tarantino movie, yada yada, um, and it had so much star power to it. You know, you have Brad Pitt, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, freaking this was Luke Perry's last movie before he passed away. You just had so many different actors involved in it that you think to yourself, okay, with this amount of star power, how could it be bad? And you know, Quentin Tarantino is obviously the master of storytelling, but it really just felt like he was trying to put so much into a movie and it didn't work out. 
it was way but it, like, longer than it should have been. Sentences, but with no punctu- punctuation. Pretty much. That, that is actually a good way to kind of describe this movie. It was just, it was very strange. I didn't understand why. It just, again, as I said, it felt like he just wanted to throw a bunch of shit into a movie uh, just to get it out there. But honestly, it could have been like two separate movies and it never connected. Is it, is it one of those things that like a fanboy would be like, well, you just don't get the genius of that movie. And you're like, what? Mm-hmm. What? I don't think, I don't think so. Honestly, I don't know. The only like good things about the movie were like Brad Pitt was really good as Cliff Booth. Um, you know, and Leonardo DiCaprio was great, but I just didn't understand his character. The whole movie did feel like, I will say one thing, it did feel like he, like Clint Tarantino was trying to, like, say, do a love letter to Sharon Tate, because Margot Robbie played Sharon Tate, and she is, say, physically on screen for a lot of it, but she doesn't have, like, a lot of lines in the movie, and I feel like almost, Quentin Tarantino was just trying to make a movie to like highlight the almost like etherealness of Sharon Tate, you know, because it was horrific what happened to her. And I think mm-hmm. that Quentin just wanted to kind of rewrite history a little, but it just, it didn't work out. <laughs> you know, it makes me wonder, was it like some kind of anniversary for Sharon Tate this year? Because there was a, uh, there was another movie about Sharon Tate. Like, they made, like, a horror movie after it or something. They got horrible, horrible reviews. I don't know. And that was the thing is when this movie was being, like, advertised, people were really, like, afraid that they were going to, like, he was going to go through and show the murder. Um, But he, like, didn't even touch Sharon Tate. You know, it was completely about, like, rewriting history and kind of like you know allowing the Manson family to get what they deserved pretty much mm-hmm. but you don't even see Marilyn Manson in it he's in it for like one second he has like one word that he says that's what I love about like especially when they advertise but then it's like oh that wasn't even a thing okay thank you yeah I don't know, but um, that's going to be my number nine entry. Brittany, what is your number eight for our top ten worst movies? I'm going to put another one that I liked, but but definitely wasn't the best by any hand. Uh, I'm going to go with Godzilla, God of Monsters, because I loved Godzilla. I hated the human parts. Like, you know, it was very opposite. Well, I guess it's not as opposite. You know, like how Transformers is like, okay, we came to watch giant transforming uh, robots, but instead we got human love stories and stuff. Uh, Godzilla was one of those movies where they focused on the human stuff. We did have Tywin from uh, Game of Thrones. That was amazing. But it's like this whole other subplot, like that, there's this machine that can control these monsters because it can, uh, like, imitate the voice of, like, another monster, which doesn't make sense anyways because even if an alien imitated a human voice, I'm pretty sure we wouldn't do exactly what it said. 
there's the subplot of like, oh, you have the daughter who's mad at her dad and her mom. It's just this is a weird thing of like a dad trying to get his kid back in the middle of like this nasty divorce because apparently they had like another kid that got killed in one of the Godzilla attacks, uh, like with another one. It's just I can't even explain to you the human parts. I just wanted to see the big three-headed dragon fight Godzilla. I wanted to see uh, Godzilla save the day, but instead I've got a lot of this human stuff going on about, like, a terrorist organization that wants this machine so that they can control because, you know, oh, you know, this land belonged to these uh, big giant monsters a long time ago, so we have to return the world to what it used to be. And you're like, okay, I get it. Now can I have, like, the monsters back? <laughs> I don't think, have you seen Godzilla yet? I have not seen uh, Godzilla King of Monsters. Is it King of Monsters, right? King of Monsters? King of Monsters. I thought it was God of Monsters. Let me see. Uh, can you look that up? I want to write it down. So. Okay, I have uh, my boyfriend talking in the background saying that it was the King of Monsters. (laughs) Yeah, Um, it's King of Monsters. So I remember, like, before this came out, Polly and I were sitting there, like, watching the Godzilla movies. Like, he was even watching the one from, you know, Japan and stuff like that with, like, you know, all the dubs, like the really old ones, right? Um like, in preparation for this movie, but we never got to see it. Um, And it's really, like, disappointing to kind of find out that this movie suffered a little, how, say, Transformers suffered when they decide to just put so much focus on the humans when it's absolutely unnecessary. People want to see these movies to watch the big, giant, scary monsters, you know, going absolutely crazy on each other. No one wants these, like, stupid little human subplots, you know? Um, And I think that, you know, this movie came out, and it's also supposed to be a preparation for a Godzilla versus King Kong movie because you have, say, uh, Kong. Skull Island, which I think was a great movie. I don't know if you ever saw that, Brittany, but um, you know, you had Kong Kong Skull Island is the one with Tom Hiddleston, Brie Larson. Oh yeah, we watched that one together. I loved it. Right, so you have that movie, and then you were supposed to have this Godzilla movie, and then they're supposed to kind of, you know, go and fight each other. And so that was, like, the big thing. But I don't know if that's, those plans are even in the works anymore because I don't believe that Godzilla, King of the Monsters, was a box office success. And that could make them worried, you know, to even make, say, a crossover. I think I, think I saw a poster or, like, an image uh, for them fighting. I think it's still on. You think it's still on? Okay. I mean, you could be right. I think that, you know, probably there were too many, like, moving wheels for something like uh, uh, this movie to kind of deter that from happening. But I don't know. I didn't see the movie um, just because this is going to sound bad because I'm a really big Stranger Things fan. 
but I'm not the biggest fan of Millie Bobby Brown. You know? Oh, no, I, I agree, because that was one of my least favorite parts of the entire movie <laughs> was, well, I was just very confused, and I feel bad because uh, I think she's gorgeous, but I also think she looks very androgynous, which is fine. And I didn't know that was her at first, and I thought the character was a boy the entire time. And Aaron gave me such a crazy look when I was like, oh, you know, the boy, blah, 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 blah. And he was like, it's really Bobby Brown. I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's not anything say that I have against her I just oh no not at all I was just like I felt so bad but I love her in Stranger Things but I did not like her in that movie I just think that everyone makes like a big deal about her um and like her being say in it um like that being a draw to it I remember before the movie came out and if we were say covering uh news reports for the trailers and stuff like that, that some of our own associates at Geekbox would be like, oh, well, you know, I'll watch anything that Millie Bobby Brown is in. I'm like, I just don't really see the big deal of Millie Bobby Brown. Like, she's good in Stranger Things. I just think that she's a little overrated. And I know that sounds terrible. People are like, she's a kid. Um, I got like, I got so many people yelling at me on Twitter because I said something negative about Billy Ellish. And I was like, all right, people. So people are like, she's 17. She's a kid. And I'm like, all right. All right. I'm, I'm I was say, that doesn't, like, if you're looking at the, like, people under a microscope for acting and, you know, you kind of like them. And you can like mm-hmm. them for, like, but, you know, but age doesn't excuse someone for not caring for them in movies, if that makes sense. Yeah, I just was like, I don't know, but maybe one day I have to see where this movie Godzilla King of Monsters is even like offered and maybe check it out and form my own opinion because if they are still going through with a Kong versus Godzilla, I'd like to see that Um, and I'd like to see the movies that lead up to it as well. I agree. All right, so great uh, entry for the number eight. I'm going to move on and do uh, number seven. And it's going to be one that you and I have both watched, and I think that you will agree with me that it deserves to be on this list. And it is going to be uh, Into the Ashes um, with Frank Grillo in it. Like, Frank Grillo has so many movies this year. If you look at his filmographies, so many came out. Some were good. Like, I really enjoyed Point Blank, the movie that came out on Netflix. Um, And then I think around the same time that that movie came out, Into the Ashes was released. And I was really excited about that. And it, like, you and I both agree. Like, what... <laughs> what was so I had to look it up. Even? I had to look it up because I couldn't remember which one that was. As soon as I saw it, I was like, "Shit! I wish I would have remembered that one." <laughs> well, that's why when you were like, "I don't know really what to pick for this list," and I'm like, "Brittany, there are so many bad movies that you could have picked." Like, uh, I wrote, 
I wrote them all down. <laughs> That's why it's like I, I sit there sometimes where, I, like, I looked through that list. I just didn't see into the ashes, apparently. But uh, that's why I will give. What did you say? No, you go ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to say that, um, like, there are so many movies, I feel like, that don't make it on, say, like, the list on, say, Wikipedia, just because it's not, uh, like, a big movie, like uh, some of these indie movies aren't always going to appear on those lists. So I, for some reason, this year in 2019, decided that any time I saw a movie, I was going to put it into a spreadsheet just for the sole fact that when we do these type of uh, lists that I knew what the hell I was talking about. So uh, Into the Ashes (laughs) was not good. And, you know, it's so funny, Brittany, I'm sitting here, and I'm like, shit, I forgot the plot. That's how bad it was. Oh, no. Wait, I I remember the plot. Okay, take it away, then. (laughs) I was like, End of the Ashes was about, like, how apparently uh, Frank Grillo's character got put in prison because uh, one of their brothers in the family, because they're like a family unit, even though none of them are related, basically took the money and ran and started a new life. But Frank Grillo was the only one out of them that got arrested and put in prison for like this heist or whatever that they did. So this brother, I can't remember his name, started a new life. Well... Frank Grillo and the rest of the quote-unquote family tracked down this guy and murdered his wife. And then, I can't remember, do they shoot him? Yeah, they shoot him. And you think he's dead. Well, it turns out the daughter, I mean, the his wife, her dad is like also the chief of police. And never approved of the guy because he thought that he was trouble because he didn't really have a story to him, even though, you know, there was no files on him of having done anything. Well, after Frank Grillo's character kills his wife, which, by the way, the entire time the the chief, the father who loved his daughter after everything, it's like, just let it go, man. You know, just it's fine. Not, not it's fine. But it's not the sheer angry that the husband is that you think, you know, a dad of, like, a murdered daughter would be. You know, he just kind of accepts it. And that I think we both were, like, kind of weird about, even though he's supposed to be, like, this crazy, overprotective dad. Well, the guy ends up tracking down Frank Grillo and the rest of them and kills them off. And at the end, you don't know if he got killed like the guy like the main character you don't know if you got killed or arrested and it was just but like unless you go into why it was bad but that is the plot to the movie no i'm glad that you like reminded me all of that shit but the thing is that all the frank grillo scenes were great right like that one scene where Frank Grillo is talking to that dude, right, for the money, and the guy's like, nah, man, it uh, it costs more now, blah, blah, blah. And Frank Grillo's just staring at him so dangerously, and you knew, you knew as you were, like, sitting there watching it that he's going to kill this mother effer. 
And sure enough, he gets into the car, they drive away, and they show, like, what, the guy in the office, and there's blood everywhere. And I'm like, yeah, that dude's definitely was going to kill him. And the scene where Frank Grillo and Charlie and, like, the one other dude who's part of their posse show up to the wife's house, you know, that was a good scene, right? Like, that was, like, ooh, this is dangerous. It's building suspense. Frank Grillo is kind of playful a little, but obviously very dark and dangerous. I mean, doesn't he ask about uh, ice cream? You know, you're making a a pecan pie. There should be ice cream involved as well. Like, that's all good. But then suddenly the movie, like, does all these weird, like, flashbacks, and it's, like, backpedaling a little. The pace is so slow. Oh, I kept going around. It kept, yeah, yeah, it kept going in reverse. Luke Grimes, who plays Nick Brennan, I don't know. I've never seen this guy in anything, so I can't say, like, if he's just not a good actor, but he was not strong enough to carry this movie. And then that what bothered me... What'd you say? The movie that was basically just him at that point. Yeah, and it bothered me so much that you had this really big, like, car chase scene, right, between Frank Grillo's character, Sloan, and Nick, and then suddenly it was, like, really big, you know, boom, 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 you're expecting all this, like, crazy shit, and then, like, off screen, suddenly, it's, like, you see that Sloan's car had crashed, and that's how he died, and I'm, like, we didn't even see the crash, we didn't even see anything leading up to that, it was just that, like, they're going, and then suddenly Nick goes around the corner, and you see that Sloan's car is, like, in a ditch, pretty much. And I'm just like, what was this movie? It was so, like, weird. You had, like, five minutes of Frank Grillo's screen time, where he was honestly the most compelling person. Him and Charlie. Charlie was good, too. Like, I could have watched so much between Sloan and Charlie, um, and also found like out more about which one? The one that had the, the family that we were like, if I had an entire family, oh. I wouldn't sign off. You know, he was him, good. Him. He was good. Him. It seemed like everyone in the movie was more compelling than the actual main character that they spent like 90% of the movie on. And it's just, it was so weird. I think I wrote a review on it, so I should have probably pulled that up to, like, refer to those notes, because I just did not like this movie really at all. I felt that they really just didn't focus on the people who were legitimately good actors, um, right. and the movie definitely didn't do well, um, to the point that it doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. It has an IMDb page, but it doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. That's why I was, like, I completely blanked on the plot, and I couldn't even, like, go back to the Wikipedia page to even look at the plot. Right. I, I was going to say, when I, like, looked at it, I was, like, into the ash, I was, like, it all came back. Yeah. Yeah. It was just bad. It really was. And you and I were excited about this because, you know, oh, as yeah. I said, it seems like it was the year of Frank Grillo. and But, you know, that's the thing is I feel like Frank Grillo is one of those actors that he kind of just does any movie that's thrown at him, and some are going to be good and some are going to be bad. It's like um, Idris Elba. Idris Elba pretty much does any type of movie. Like, he, he, he does not know how to say no. 
and he has really good roles like um, Pacific Rim and Thor, uh, you know, as Hemsal in the Thor movies. But then he has, like, movies like Cats. <laughs> I don't know if you know he's in the new Cats movie that's coming out. But, you know, it's like the same thing. Some of these actors just aren't picky. And you're like, you need to be a little pickier when choosing your movie roles, please. <laughs> Freak Girl is the guy that, like, starts dabbing his eyes with, like, dollar bills. Like. Oh. <laughs> exactly. It's like, oh, you guys, you guys are making fun of the movies I'm in. I'm crying with all the millions that I've made yeah. for all these shit movies. <laughs> right. He's like, I'm still making money it. from that Chinese movie. Listen, that movie, uh, Wolf Warrior 2, was a huge movie in China. I think I told you. It's, like, the top grossing movie from, like, 2017. Like, it, it made a shit ton. But, um, yeah, Into the Ashes is going to be my number seven. Brittany, what is your number six? Um, I'm going to go with this one. It's one I haven't particularly seen, but I've heard the outrage so it's kind of one of those that I think deserves to be on the list. I'm going to go with Dumbo because I heard it was absolutely awful. And I think it was also the spelling that trying to tell Disney, hey, maybe make some new original ideas and not remake every beloved childhood movie and to like, you know, a, uh, a live action slash CGI movie because, yeah, they got away with it with Lion King. You know, Aladdin did better than people thought, but Dumbo was apparently not well-received. Like, every top uh, worst movies in 2019 I've seen always had Dumbo, like, near the top. But one complaint that they really had was about Tim Burton being the director behind it. They felt like maybe that was going a little too dark. But I get why they would have Tim Burton because it is supposed to be like a dark circus movie. Like, I remember Dumbo, the original movie, scared the shit out of me as a child. I did not like watching it. That's why I haven't seen the live action one. Uh, but uh, I heard that it was like lacking. That Let me see what others had said about it really quick. But have you seen Dumbo? I have not seen the live action Dumbo, but our associate Ryan has seen it and he really disliked it as well for uh, reasons kind of similar to what you were saying. Not only um, was maybe Tim Burton the wrong director for this type of movie, but also because if you remember, I love Dumbo personally growing up, like the, the animated movie. But if you remember, the movie really is all about the animals. It really doesn't focus at all on the humans, but the main complaint that I have heard from the live action is that it, like, shows so much screen time, you know, of the humans. Michael Keaton's in it, Danny DeVito, there's some kids in it, and they are given so much screen time when it's like, the movie is about Dumbo. The movie is about the freaking elephant. You know, like, why are we focusing yeah. so much on the humans here? And I, that was a huge um, complaint that I had heard from Dumbo. Another one I read was, like, that the CGI was so bad for it. And that also, I heard that, uh, I heard that like, a big thing is that you felt like you were just watching, like, 
an abuse film, like an animal abuse film, because the circus performers are so abusive to, like, the, the virtual animals in it that a lot of people are like, I didn't come here to see, like, an animal snuff film. Um, it's funny you say that. I have to, like, you know, kind of divert from that a little. So I have Disney Plus, right? And they came out with a lot of movies that are just for Disney Plus that didn't hit the big screen. Like Lion King obviously hit the big screen. But they had done a live-action version of Lady and the Tramp, and it just was on Disney Plus. I went to go watch it. Because obviously our editor-in-chief came in was like, Tia, can you watch this movie so you can do a review on it? I could not get past, like, the first 10 minutes because it's real oh. dogs. And, and they're, like, neglecting the dogs. And the dogs are, like, you know, sad. And I'm like, I don't want to watch this shit. <laughs> it's, one thing when, <laughs> it's one thing when it's animated. But when they're showing, like, real dogs being, like, neglected and people not paying attention to them and them being sad, I want no part of it. <laughs> I was going to say, and I love the original Lady of the Tramp. Me I love the Tramp. Me too. I love the lady, and I was like, oh. I yeah, no, them. it wasn't good. So I can see why people, like, thought that about Dumbo because, you know, the whole thing with Dumbo is that, you know, the circus is all. When I, I want to feel like when does like the original Dumbo take place? Because it definitely was during a time that animals were not treated properly in the circus. It's like um, older. Like it's still like imagine like probably late eighteen hundreds, maybe mid eighteen hundreds or early nineteen hundreds. Yeah. It's around that kind of phase, but. You know what you just made me think of that made me start laughing, and it is off the point, but it is along the point, is <laughs> I laugh because it got me thinking about uh, Robin Hood, you know, like with the fox, and how people were talking about, like, how a bunch of people had, like, their sexual awakening from, like, that movie, and how they felt odd about it, and then it reminded me that people jumped in that they were like, why was I, why did people make me attracted to the tramp as a child? Maybe this is why I'm screwed up as an adult now. And I just started laughing. I very much question everything that you just told me right now, and I feel awkward. <laughs> And uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm not even gonna comment about that. This this uh, podcast this podcast does not condone furries. <laughs> Sorry, furries out there. But you get no respect from me. Oh my gosh. You're gonna get the furry community after you. <laughs> That's okay. They can't run very far anyway. Um but I love that you put Dumbo. I wish I could comment a little more about it, but because I haven't seen it, I can't necessarily do so. But I do think that it deserves to be on this list because it really seems like there was a really big negative reaction towards it and just a waste of money at this point. As you said, Disney needs to stop making all these remakes of their former animated movies. Just let them watch the animated movies, you know? 
and stop wasting so much money on all this CGI because it's not always doing it. Like me personally, I like the new Lion King, but I understand why people didn't necessarily like the Lion King and nothing beats the original anime movie. So in the end, it was just a huge waste of money on like CGI pretty much. No, no, I so, I think it's the, like definitely where people start to it's just lazy, I guess is how I would say it. Yeah, exactly. And honestly, how much money did they pay Beyonce to have that crap ass original song in Lion King? Sorry, I'm putting that down there because that was a terrible original song. Um, but. <laughs> Let's move on. Um, I'm going to do the number five, and it is a Netflix original movie that I was actually really excited about because I was excited about seeing Zac Efron in a role that I never thought that he would do. And this is coming from someone I've never seen any of the high school musicals, right? My only real perception of Zac Efron is knowing that he was in high school musicals and that he was in that one movie where John Bernthal plays the character Paige, We Are Your Friends. Um, besides, uh, that, I, besides that, I knew nothing really about Zac Efron other than he's like a pretty boy, right? Um, but he plays Ted Bundy in the Netflix oh, movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a long title. I had to look it up. Uh, Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile. So you think, they, and, and by the way, the trailers look great. Like, Zac Efron really looked like he transformed into that role. I was, like, sold on it. Um, and you think, okay, he's playing Ted Bundy. Um, the, the title of the movie makes you think that there's going to be some fucked up shit in this movie. And it really wasn't. The whole movie was telling about Ted Bundy meeting his wife, having a child, and essentially pretty much him maintaining his innocence throughout the whole entire movie. It's one of those things that 95% of the film is him like, baby, they're just meeting someone to blame all these murders on, but it's not me. Why is this all happening to me? And throughout the movie, uh, like, everyone that he runs into, like, makes an extreme effort to really say, like, how charming he is, how well-educated he is, how, you know, they don't really believe that he could do something like this. I mean, it explores all of the female fans that would go to Ted Bundy's court cases, and the movie is mostly, like, about the court cases, right? Um, And it really doesn't necessarily paint Ted Bundy in a bad picture for most of the film. Like, you're sitting there, and you're like, are they trying to, I don't know, be nice to Ted Bundy? I don't understand what's going on. But it most so it mostly focuses on his court case. It um, focuses which Jim Parsons, who plays uh, Sheldon on Big Bang, is the lawyer like against Ted Bundy, and he was actually really good in it. Um, and the woman who plays uh, the wife, Lily Collins, um, a lot of it is from her perspective, like and her dealing with say Ted Bundy 
constantly getting arrested, being in the papers, being uh, framed, not framed, but, you know, accused of all of these murders and how I she thought kind he was like, framed. Huh? I think she thought he was framed, though, because she didn't believe all of it until right. he was already, like, in prison. But the thing is that's crazy is that you find out that she is the one who called the cops on him. Because there's a phone call, an anonymous phone call to the cops saying that she believes, like, that she's seen the picture of who, because there was a survivor, right? And they, you know, described who the person was. And she saw the picture on the news, and she's the one who anonymously called the cops and said, you know, that looks a lot like my husband. And you don't know about this until later on in the film, and he doesn't know about it. And at this point, um, while he's in prison, she uh, gets a divorce. He actually meets someone else, and they end up having sex, like, in the, like, waiting room of the prison or something. And he ends up having, like, a kid with her and shit like that. Um, You know, and it just explores, like, the fans and this and this and this and this. And then finally at the end of the movie, right, is, like, he's been in prison for a while, and they pretty much just at this point, oh, oh, sorry, let me backtrack for one second. He's in the court, right? And he's so personable. He's smiling to the audience. He's, like, flirting. He wants to be a lawyer, so he knows how to speak. He knows how to talk. And the judge has this whole speech about how how much of a promising young man he was and that if he didn't believe that he committed these crimes, he would have welcomed him as being a lawyer in his court. But, you know, you what you've displayed was extremely wicked, shockingly evil, and vile. Like, that's where the name, like, comes from, you know? And you're like, why are, is everyone, like, kissing his ass? Like, the only person who really is against him is Jim Parsons' character, who's like, you know, they weren't able to get you in all these other states, but we're going to get you in this state. Um, so at the end of the movie, and I know I'm rambling, but this is finally when you're like, why couldn't we have a whole movie of this, right? At the end of the movie, they want, it's been like 10 years, and they want just like closure for the family. So they tell his ex-wife, played by Lily Collins, like just go there and try to see if you can, you know, get him to talk. And she goes to the prison, and he's all like, oh, my God, you're here. It's been so long. Like, I love you, blah, blah, blah. And she's just like, She's like, I'm the one who called the cops on you all those years ago. Like, tell me, like, what happened? You know, blah, blah, blah. And then finally, like, the last two minutes of the movie is when he, like, finally breaks and says, like, yeah, I killed those people. I fucking beheaded this person, and I did this, and I buried them here. Blah, blah, blah. Like, finally, like, comes out and says it. But that's it. And the whole point of me putting it on this list is that – it really, there was nothing in the movie up until the last two minutes of the movie that ever made you believe that he was shockingly evil and vile. If anything, it was more so than like, wow, he's such a great guy. Look how charismatic he is. Is like a love letter? <laughs> what? It's like a love, love letter to Ted Bundy. In a way, like, I mean, I saw some people saying, like, oh, it's supposed to be more so, like, told from the perspective of his ex-wife, and I'm like, yeah, not really, 
like not really was it told but by uh by her perspective i mean you know if anything it's like you were sitting there like oh why is she so petrified of ted bundy he seems like a great guy <laughs> i um, think what gets me too is like really quick is that yeah. people are obsessed with ted bundy there's someone oh, that yeah. got a tattoo of his bite mark you know, like that he left on one of his victims that they used to convict him because of uh, the teeth matching on the skin. What gets yeah, and they, me do is go, that, they do go over that in, in the movie, by the way. And I was like, you're not helping people like that are like, oh, my God, he's so hot. And that was a big thing when Ted, uh, Ted Bundy was, if you lured those women by being so charismatic. And I know that maybe that's the point that they were trying to make like, question yourself, but instead I think they came off as, like, kissing his ass. Well, I will say really quick, that was a thing, because before that movie came out, the Ted Bundy tape hit Netflix, and they were the real-life footage of Ted Bundy as well as others talking about Ted Bundy, and they were interviewing women back in the day who would go to his court hearing all the time, and they'd be like, he's so dreamy. Like, no one that good-looking could commit things like this. And I'm sorry, I saw the pictures of the real Ted Bundy. He was no Zac Efron, you know what I'm saying? Oh, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, and that's the whole thing. That's the woman who Ted Bundy gets with, you know, after his after Liz Kendall divorces him, is a fan is someone who, you know, has gone to all of his court cases and is convinced that he is completely and 100% innocent. But then I think at some point she even starts to get, um, like, weary. Like, oh, well, you know, I thought you are innocent, but yet they keep, you know, finding more evidence against you. And it's like, yeah, bitch, because he's fucking crazy. Um <laughs> So and maybe uh, when the rest of the, I guess to show that maybe it's kind of like when they say if everyone's an asshole, maybe you're the asshole. It's like if everybody says he's a killer, maybe you're the one that's wrong. Yeah, I mean, it's not to say that Zach Efron did a bad job. Like I was impressed by him, and I certainly thought after the movie, like, hey, this guy really could have say, a career in with more serious roles. And I think that's maybe why he took it to kind of prove, like, hey, I'm not just the kid from High School Musical. So, yeah, he, he did well, and he looked completely like Ted Bundy, and that was good. And Lily Collins, who played Liz Kendall, the ex-wife, she was good. I just don't think that the movie at all like lived up to the name and what they were promoting in all of the trailers. Like it could have just been like Ted Bundy's court cases. I'd be like, okay, you know, we're going over court cases, but you made me think that we were going to see Ted Bundy killing some people um, and see Zac Efron really go crazy. And we did not see that like at all. We barely saw it in the last two minutes. feel like I came here for death and destruction and all you gave me is nothing. All you gave me was pretty boys back at Ron. <laughs> you know what's crazy, though, is he apparently escaped prison, like, twice. And I didn't know that. And I looked it up, and, like, the real what? Ted Bundy did that. And I'm like, that's crazy. Like, his security back then was not good at all. All he did was, like, look out the window. He, like, legitimately just went, oops, I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I was just like, what the hell? So I don't know. You haven't seen the movie, right? No, I haven't seen it. But I see. I always grew up with my parents watching serial killer stuff. It's part of the reason why I couldn't sleep in my own bed for way too long. Uh, thanks, mom and dad. But uh, <laughs> so I was very well versed with Ted Bundy. But uh, I had not seen it. And I think part of the reason I didn't see it was because how upset the victim's parents that are still alive were over the movie. I was like, oh, I was like, I feel kind of bad watching it. Yeah, I know that there was a little bit of an outrage because there seemed like a moment on Netflix where, like, whoever was in charge was obsessed with Ted Bundy because, as I said, you had the Ted Bundy tape coming out and then you had this movie and I'm like, Netflix apparently had a hard on for Ted Bundy at the time. I guess so. Jesus. That is one person that they've not explored on Mindhunter. That'd be interesting to see who they would get on Mindhunter to play Ted Bundy. They've had like a lot of other serial killers. I wonder if maybe the times don't match uh, because Ted Bundy did get the death sentence and he was eventually like killed. Mm, he was executed though in 1989, and Mindhunter definitely takes place in like the 70s. So uh, maybe they haven't done him yet then. I feel like that would be like a good one for them to do. I mean, they did freaking Charles Manson. He's gross. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I know. But I will say the same guy who played Charles Manson in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood plays him in Mindhunter, but he has a bigger scene in Mindhunter. And I got to say, he was really freaking good. So, but yeah, that's going to be my number five is extremely wicked, shockingly evil, and vile, which. Oh, my gosh, that's a long title. (laughs) It's such a long title. I'm just like, I put in my notes, I was like, Ted Bundy, Zac Efron movie. <laughs> I don't but, blame um, you. I don't... But, uh, Brittany, what is your number four for our list? Well, I was going through it. I am getting more into the movies I haven't quite seen yet. But that part of the reason I want to see them is because they look so bad. I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Men in Black International because me and you we grew up with the original Men in Black and they were so good. You know, I wanted the sunglasses. I wanted to be an agent. You know, I was like, maybe aliens can exist because they did make this probable reason that if they flash that light in your eyes, that it gets rid of like the past little while. You know, that makes so much sense. And, you know, we had Tommy Lee Jones, and we had uh, Will Smith, and they were so good together that it's hard to kind of match that magic, you know, that two people, the kind of, like, chemistry they can have on screen, even if it's not, like, a sexual chemistry. But I guess it's like with Men in Black International, is it did feel like it was just cashing in. It was greedy. Like, you know, we had so many reprisals, so many remakes, so many people trying to reboot a series, and then they end up falling flat because they never cared about the original message of the movies anyways. 
They just cared about, oh man, this this is nostalgic. People will buy this, and people did, and it was awful because you throw people in like um, like uh, blah, 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 I can't remember it, Chris Hemsworth and Na- Naomi. Is that her name? Tessa Thompson. Uh, the one that's from Westworld. Uh, wh- which one? Who plays what? The, the girl. The girl in it. The, the like the main character. Evan Rachel Wood wasn't in Men in Black International. Oh, you meant you meant Westworld. No, Westworld. The one that was uh, who gets killed at the end. That ends up. Uh, you're killing me, Tia. Oh, what are you talking about? Not the one who Tessa ends up being Thompson. Oh, yes, Tessa Thompson. Okay, I thought you were talking about the other one. Yeah, Tessa Thompson. I I said her. You were going Naomi. I go Tessa Thompson, and you're like Naomi. No, I didn't hear Tessa you. <laughs> no, no, I was thinking of somebody else in a different movie because I couldn't remember her name, and that's why I said one of the main characters in Westworld. Oh, okay, 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 okay. But, yeah, you oh. just throw these two, two good actors in it, and you're like, that'll make it work. And it's like, you can't fix bad writing with, like, actors. No, not at all. And um, so I didn't see Men in Black International, but I was actually excited for it um, because – you know, Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth had such good chemistry with each other in Thor Ragnarok that I thought this is going to be a perfect uh, combination for, say, a Men in Black for a new age, right? Um, I thought that, to me, the commercials, I really liked it. I knew that some people were hesitant, even just based on the commercials, but I really enjoyed the commercials that I saw for it, but it tanked in uh, in the box office. I mean, it did so poorly. The reception for it was just absolutely horrific. I mean, they, oh, wow, like, it, it did so bad. <laughs> and you know what was one of the complaints is that people were complaining about the chemistry between Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson, which Yeah, because they did so well with Thor Ragnarok and even in Avengers Endgame. It's like, it must be that just the writing and the directing, you know, it's like, okay, they can do well with each other on screen, maybe in Marvel, but maybe not necessarily anywhere else. Because Tessa Thompson herself is a fantastic actress. Now that I've seen her both in, say, the Marvel Universe and Westworld, I love her in both, even though she plays such a bitch in Westworld. I know. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that that was one of the huge complaints about Men in Black International. Um, and as you said, you know, they're trying to capitalize on the magic that was there, and there is no magic anymore. You don't have, you don't have Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith, and it's certainly not – that point in time anymore. There are certain things that it works because of the year it came out. It works because of that moment. And when you try to recapture it, it's it's not going to be there. Um, and I don't see why we have to keep 
say trying to recapture it, and it really just goes to show that there are not a lot of original thoughts in Hollywood, and people don't like original ideas because whenever you see an original idea, suddenly everyone's crapping on it, and it's like, no, it's just because it's not anything you've seen before, but then you're going to complain when we come out with, like, you know, the 20th Fast and Furious movie. Oh, my God, how many are there now? I would believe you if there is 20. I think there's like eight or nine. Jesus <laughs> Christ. And now they're coming out with like spinoffs and shit, like with Hobbs and Shaw. Hobbs and Shaw, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's never going to end. <laughs> Man, that just reminds me. Go ahead. I was going to say that I love Dwayne Rock Johnson. I just wish she was in good movies. You know, The Rock is another one. He takes a bunch of movies and it kind of just like rolls the dice. If it's good, it's good. If it's not good, it's not good. Yeah, I mean, you and I both watched, uh, oh my God, what, what skyscraper. <laughs> you know, yes. And you know who has been matched up with him so much that they do more movies together than not, but I do get why. It's him and Kevin Hart, and I love them together. I watched this interview where they're trying to talk, but apparently Kevin Hart's really afraid of, like, all insects and animals because he claims that he doesn't, he can't comprehend what they're thinking, and that scares him. And he legitimately is screaming over a butterfly coming at him. And Dwayne is just, like, freaking laughing so hard, just, like, trying to gently keep the butterfly away from him. And Kevin Hart's not joking. He is utterly terrified of this butterfly. You can see the terror in his eyes. I have to be one of the few people who doesn't know how to feel about Kevin Hart, especially after his very um, anti-LGBT statements that he's said in the past few years. So I don't know how I can get behind him, but that's neither here nor there. Um, there was a thing that, so I don't know if you know this, but The Rock is, The Rock has been attached to play this character called Black Adam in the DC universe for like years. Like I think we read that he seriously has been attached to play the character since like 2013, 2014, and they just have not. And they just have not done his movie yet. They keep pushing it back, pushing it back. Um, And he's supposed to be, like, a villain of Shazam's, right? So people are like, oh, obviously he's going to be in Shazam. And then Warner Brothers is like, no, we want him to have his own movie first. And apparently it's now finally going to come out in, like, 2001, I mean, that's 2021 or 2020. Oh, my God, girl. We're going in reverse now? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But the whole point of that is there was a um, interview with Kevin Hart, and they were like, "Are you going to be in the Black Adam movie?" Because The Rock actually has a huge like role in producing the movie as well. Like he's very passionate about the character, and Kevin Hart's like, um, "If I don't get invited to be into the movie, I'm going to be very offended." He's like, "There's oh no God. way." <laughs> He's like, there's no way he can't not put me in the film. And I'm like, ah, who are you going to play, Kevin Hart? <laughs> yeah, who are you going to play? Are you going to play his son? Oh, my God. 
I'm seriously. So, um, but yeah, uh, blah, blah, blah. How did we get on to Dwayne Johnson here? Now I'm confused. I'm like, wait, we did Men in Black International. We went way off. That's how we talked about Hobbs and stuff. And then we got on Dwayne Rock Johnson. That's how bad Men in Black International was, is that we don't even want to really talk about it. (laughs) I just know, save your money. Save your money. Don't, Don't buy it. I will say before we move on, that a uh, movie that I did like with Dwayne Johnson in it was Snitch, and no, it wasn't just because of John Bernthal's character in it. I did legitimately think that uh, Dwayne Johnson did well in a movie role that was a little more serious. So maybe he needs to just take up, maybe he just needs to take up roles that are more serious, and everything will be good. But um, yes, he's on the road of Vin Diesel. Big man that ends up in funny roles because he's just some big guy. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um. So I'm gonna hit the number three, and I'm trying to like look at my list and see what I want to do. And I feel like I kind of have to put this on the list, even though. I didn't necessarily mind the movie, but it's because it had so much hype, and it's just, okay, this is what it's going to be. The Irishman. (laughs) Oh, no. I'm going to pick The Irishman as a number three. Now, necessarily, this wasn't a bad movie. It was Martin Scorsese, um, and you have Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci, and Al Pacino in it. And I have to note that both Al Pacino and Joe Pesci have both been nominated for Golden Globes and SAG Awards for their performances in this movie, and I think it's absolutely well-deserved because they both did a really good job in it. But the movie itself, just, I don't, okay, it was too long, right? It was three and a half hours long. It was three and a half hours long, and the, you know, they, they de-aged, like, Robert De Niro, right, throughout the movie. Because the whole thing is that the movie starts off with him as an old man, and he pretty much, like, tells the story of what brought him to, you know, be in his current situation, you know. And they keep, like, de-aging him, and everyone was, like, praising the technology. And to me, I'm like, he still looks like an old man. They just blurred out some of his wrinkles a little. And and you were like, all the technology, and you're like, a Snapchat filter? What? Yeah, yeah. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. It was a Snapchat filter. But his body still is the body of an old man, and his hands were still the hands of the old man. And it was so funny because I didn't realize this until Polly pointed it out to me, right? He's like, he goes, he's like, um, because there's some scenes where, you know, he's obviously supposed to be younger, and it's him and his wife and, you know, their kids. And Polly goes, you see this movie, and you got this old-ass man with this gorgeous, beautiful young wife, and it just looks creepy. Like, it just looks creepy because it's like, oh, look, we de-aged him, so, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, no, it just it looks creepy. You know, his wife is young, she's gorgeous, and he looks like my grandpa, um, which, you know, I love my grandpa, and my grandpa's a handsome man, but, you know, like, my grandpa would never be with a 20-something-year-old. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, yeah. And, like, okay, 
there's that one point where um <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just laughing so hard because I'm remembering like the scene. There's oh, a, no. a scene there's a scene in the movie where his daughter, like, who's young at this point, like, comes in and, you know, he's like, oh, uh, what, what, why is she so upset? And his wife is like, oh, well, you know, the, uh, the guy at the, at the store, you know, shoved her a little. But it's okay. Now, which is the thing where I'm like, the girl's, like, eight years old and you're saying it's okay that, like, the store owner shoved your daughter? Like, my dad would be fucking infuriated, too. Why do you shove but, her? I don't know, because, you know, back then in the 50s, it's like, anyone could have smacked your kids, they deserve it. Um, but, uh, which, which is actually, like, something I remember from watching Mad Men, um, where, like, this one guy at, like, a party, like, smacked this other kid right in front of the kid's dad, and the kid's dad was like, see, you shouldn't have done what you were supposed, what you did, you know, blah, 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 and it took place in the 60s, and I'm like, shit was wild back then, but, um, it was so, wild. so Robert De Niro's character takes his daughter to the store, and he tells the daughter, like, okay, you stay out here, and he goes in, you hear the guy, like, Frank, you know, your daughter was being, you know, blah, 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 and you just see Frank, like, you know, take him out and, like, throw him to the ground, and he, like, steps on his hand, and the guy's, like, wailing in pain, but the thing is, it's because it's Robert De Niro, so he's not stepping very hard, but the guy is wailing as if, like, you know, Dwayne The Rock Johnson just stepped on his hand. Oh, my God. (laughs) Okay, I don't know why this just made me think of it. Someone's going to be like, you're so ageist, and it's like, no, 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 I'm just saying that there were plot holes, but you know that show that I told you about, Brittany, The Righteous Gemstones? It sounds familiar. You'll have to, like, re-remind me. The uh, the show is with uh, all, like, the televangelists and John Goodman's in it. Yeah, and it's the freaking song that slaps. Yes. <laughs> Seriously, that song will get back, will get stuck back in my head. But there's at some point in the show where John Goodman like smacks someone, and the guy's like, "Don't you smack me with your meaty old man hands?" And that's all I think about. That's all I think about. De Niro every time he was supposed to be like beating someone down. <laughs> Jesus Christ! It's like they really couldn't have gotten, like, a younger actor to play him when they were doing the flashbacks, right? Like, have Robert De Niro in the current time, you know, playing his character and um, then, you know, get a younger guy to play the character during that time. And I was like, what the fuck? So the whole movie was just, like, unnecessarily long. They just showed, like, a bunch of shit that I was like, all right. All right. <laughs> like, are you but trying will, to make it stretch three hours? But I will say that Al Pacino was fantastic as Jimmy Hoffa, which was a real life person um, who was the leader of a union um, and went missing at some point in his life, and they declared him dead like ten years later. What did you say? I watched a whole Jim, a documentary on Jimmy Hoffa. Oh, okay, so, you know, Al Pacino plays Jimmy Hoffa. He does a great job. Joe Pesci did a great job. Al Pacino, uh, not 
Uh, Robert De Niro was fine, but his character was a bit bland. And so the thing is, like, and I'll stop really quick after this, but my main problem is, all right, so he was obviously, like, a gangster, and he was, like, a hitman for the mob, and he, you know, obviously killed a lot of people. And everyone's, like, pointing, not everyone, but some people pointing out to me online, like, you know, the reasoning behind the ending. But he never did anything bad to his family, right? He didn't hit his wife. He never hit his children. He just wasn't really there a lot because he was working. You know, the mob calls you at 3 o'clock in the morning. They tell you, go whack some guy. You can't be like, you know what? I'm, I'm cuddling with my honeydew right now. I can't do that. Um, oh, so, God. But clearly his uh, kids resent him, you know, and the whole movie ends with him as an old man. You know I have a – like, I know I was shitting on Robert De Niro just before, but you know I have an, a soft spot in my heart for old people. And it's like he's like an old man in a freaking nursing home talking to a priest, and he, like, says something. The priest's like, oh, it's Christmas, Frank. And he's like, oh, it's Christmas. I didn't realize, you know, I, I'm not going anywhere. No one's coming to see me. And I'm like, he has four daughters, four daughters who are adults and have children of their own. And you're telling me that not one of them goes and sees him and takes him out. And people are like, well, he was a gangster. I'm like, but he never did anything to his family. He did shit other right? people. <laughs> I don't know. To me, I'm just like, you can't give me. Robert De Niro, who's legitimately an old man, looking so sad as an old man, talking about how no one's going to go see him. And I'm like, I'm done with this movie. Fuck this. <laughs> I nearly made a really bad joke. Oh, come on, Brittany. I was going to say, well, maybe if he would have vaccinated them when they were younger, because, you know, that's the whole thing with Robert De Niro. Oh, my God. That was kind of funny. It was wrong, but it was kind of funny. <laughs> I mean, the whole movie was about, like, I guess pretty much, like, the sins of your actions come to get you in the end because we see that Jimmy Hoffa died, you know, by the hands of his friends. Joe Pesci dies in prison, and uh, Robert Juno dies an old man who no one goes to see. And and I guess that's the point, right? But they could have done it in, like, under two hours. <laughs> well, like, so that's why... a whole hour of filler that I'll never get back in my life. There was at some point I paused the movie, and so much had happened already, like, literally so much. It was, like, it felt like a full freaking movie. And I was only an hour in, and I'm like, oh, my God, I have two and a half hours left. What am I doing? But, um... So yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's the Irishman. Uh, you haven't seen it, right, Brittany? I don't remember you uh, sitting down for three and a half hours unless it's for your streaming. <laughs> I was going to say I haven't seen it, but what you reminded me of is as sad and bad as this is, I believe it was my grandfather's funeral uh, when we were sitting there. And I know you haven't been to, like, like a Baptist service or, like, you know, but you know how funerals are. You know, they normally the preacher says something, and then, you know, you go about the burial. It, but apparently 
the preacher decided he wanted to save everybody in there. Normally for the service, it may be like 30 minutes to an hour. I remember it was three hours long. And keep in mind, this is my grandfather's funeral. And, you know, we've all been sad. And I look over and my mom is nodding off because we've all emotionally drained. And this preacher's still going on. It's not about my grandfather any longer. It's about, like, save your soul. And I'm, like, over here, like, starting to nod off my dad, who it's his father, you know, uh, like, his father. And uh, dad's starting to nod off. He's just got his arms crossed, looking pissed off. And that just made me think of, like, like yeah, you could have wrapped this up in an hour, but it's three hours later. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> so yeah. I mean yeah. <laughs> Well that's like I went to like, you know, I'm Catholic, so our masses normally are like forty minutes or less. <laughs> you know, our priest wants to go and watch like the football game. They're not trying to have us there for like ten freaking hours, you know? And I remember us I went to like a I don't know if it was a Baptist like mass one time, and this is probably going to get me a lot of heat. So I'm not being offensive. I'm trying not to be offensive. That's long. Like good for you if you do that all the time. Me, I'm not used to that. So I was just like, oh my god, like there's more. <laughs> right, right. You're like, where's the communion? I want to get out of here. I don't think there was a communion. Now that I think of, I don't even know what happened. It, things that things are strange. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but I guess that's what, like what the I. You know when like things are so long, you're just like, what? What year is? <laughs> you start you start wondering like oh, like when you're retelling it, the events of the story because you're so mixed up because you know it happened but you can't tell what order it happened. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I I agree, but um, what did you say? I'm just laughing at you. I mean, laughing with you. I would never laugh at you. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so that's my uh, my entry for number three is the Irishman. Uh, Brittany, what's your what's your number two? I literally have been reading about this movie because I saw about it. And I haven't even seen it, and it's it's got to be up there, Tia. It's got to be up there. It's awful. No wonder it's like on a million like uh, awful movie lists. It is the oh. haunting of Sharon Tate. Oh, weren't we just talking about that? <laughs> yes, yes. Because I got thinking about it. This whole movie. That was in 2019. Yeah. Let me see. Oh. Double check. It was, it came out, let's see, April 5th, 2019, and received universally negative reviews with many calling it one of the worst films of 2019. It's literally the first thing on the Wikipedia page. <laughs> this movie is like supposed to be like a supernatural horror like twist on the Sharon Tate thing, which of course it's never gonna be a good run with say like 
anything that has to do with Hollywood, they are very protective of their own, for one. And so to kind of take a twist on, like, one of, like, the most horrific murders of, like, Hollywood history is a very sensitive subject, you know? Because that's why a lot of people say once upon a time in Hollywood did so well on certain things is because somebody was like, nobody loves Hollywood more than Hollywood. So this whole movie is, like, about how Sharon Tate's getting, like, premonitions of her murder, and her husband's like, oh, you're just being, you know, oh, it's just the pregnancy, blah, blah, blah. And, like, like basically she's, like, getting premonitions. She's having nightmares uh, about, like, how she sees her own murder and, like, dealing with, like, freaky things like the cult members coming around and that she's telling them, oh, you have the wrong house. And it's just, like, freaky. But... It's just like, so you get the general gist of that, right? You know, just mm-hmm. like you can imagine how, how bad it is, how like almost corny it is. But then you lead into it and like at the end, which a lot of people were mad because they said, like you said, it bites off a once upon a time. Because at the end, Sharon Tate and, you know, the members there, at the at the get-together at the house, like, end up beating the cult members and, like, killing them, like, in a horrific fashion. But then apparently they walk back into the house and they see their own dead bodies there. And apparently this was all just made up in their heads as they died that they had won. But really they're, like, now ghosts staring at their body, and they legitimately walk off into the sunset, and Sharon Tate in the movie is holding, like, her unborn child in her arms, because now that she's dead, the child is born, and she's cradling them as they walk away and, like, disappear. I know, I was reading this plot, I was like, what the hell is going on? What is going on? So it has to be on the list, because we were just talking about it. If that makes what happened in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, like, cinematic masterpiece. <laughs> right, right. Like, I'm, like, looking through it. It's, like, that they, like, like, there's somebody getting stabbed with a pen knife. Uh, they're, like, it's, like, it, it's just, like, basically a horror film with, like, taking, like, real-life stuff, which is, I think, is in bad taste. Do you know what I mean? Well, I think that people are always going to be defensive of Sharon Tate, which I believe rightfully so, because, you know, you have, say, like, I'm thinking of, you know, the Kennedys, you know, their deaths, right, Uh, which, you know, were how they were. And then you have, say, uh, Natalie Wood being, you know, that's still actually disputed to this day, what really killed her. But... You have Sharon Tate, who, you know, is historically known. She was butchered while, you know, pregnant in her home by some crazy fanatic, you know, being told what to do by a bitter freaking man. Um, And so I think that anytime you try to touch upon that, people are obviously going to be defensive about it, again, especially Hollywood. Uh, in my mind, I don't think that Quentin Tarantino did a bad job with that. It's, I really do truly believe that he must have grown up 
like loving her movies because they show clips of her movies in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And they really just put her up on like a pedestal. So I believe that. But this sounds like crazy. Like who thought about this? You could have just had like you know a fictional character. You didn't have to be like the haunting of Sharon Tate. Like, did you think people were gonna be okay with this? Right, right. It just like, it, like just read the plot. It's just like. I don't know. And I guess, like, with them, like, oh, they survived. It just is such a bite off of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But then they, like, look at their bodies and they're like, oh, we're actually dead. Oh. And it's like, what? <laughs> what is this lady writing? <laughs> that's just being controversial to be controversial at that point, Tia. Oh, my God. Hillary Duff played her? Like, what the hell? Oh, I didn't even <laughs> see that. Like, let me see. I like how we're trashing this movie that we haven't seen. It's just like, you know it's bad. You just know it's bad. I know. Oh, I know, God. But... Hillary Duff is in it. That's a name I haven't heard in years. I know. Which is funny that she was in this because apparently they're bringing back her, like, Disney show on Disney Plus, so it's like great movie to be involved in as you're trying to promote the resurgence of your like Disney show. But um, yeah, I, I think that it definitely uh, deserves to be on this list just because I remember hearing about it um, and how much in bad taste it was. I just don't as I think it was. Uh, you know, as we said that at some point this year, like, people had a hard-on for Ted Bundy. I think it was that people were kind of obsessed with, like, talking about Sharon Tate again. This is wild. This is wild. I, oh, we had a message from AJ, and I was, like, looking at it and just kind of laughing. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh, that's sad. Uh, but... He was supposed to join us today. He was very excited, but sorry, AJ. Next time you're with us in spirit. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I definitely believe that the haunting of Sharon Tate really, uh belongs on this list. And apparently, we have two things of Sharon Tate on this list. But um, Brittany. We are down to the number one in our top ten worst movies of 2019. And I think we've so far done a really good job at picking out some truly bad and then just also movies that didn't really hit the mark, you know? So let's go over what we have before we hit the number one spot. We have Black, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, Into the Ashes, Dumbo, extremely wicked, shockingly evil, and vile. I'm just going to say it says Bundy movie. Um, (laughs) Men in Black Black International, The Irishman, The Haunting of Sharon Tate, and my number one, which I had to look at the the description again for this movie to, like, remember. I did actually watch this movie. It's a Netflix movie, which I just Netflix makes really good shows. I don't know what's going on with their movie department, but they just don't seem to be able to do that too well. And the description is long. And I'm like, that makes sense. This movie was also very long. Um, The only time long movies, 
the only time long movies work is very few and far between The Godfather, uh, Endgame, The Dark Knight. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, but this is Triple Frontier. Now, Brittany, have you seen or even heard of the Netflix movie Triple Frontier? It came out, I think, almost in the very beginning of 2019. It sounds familiar. It sounds familiar. I can see that name floating in my head, but I don't remember what it's about. Okay, so Triple Frontier was supposed to be, like, really just a good movie, right? Because you had a shit ton of star power in it. You had Ben Affleck, Oscar Isaac, Charlie Hunnan, and Pedro Pascal. Those are big names, and the fact that they're going to get together for a Netflix original movie was huge, right? The trailers even looked pretty badass, you know. I mean, I wasn't, say, overly excited to see this movie, but I still thought that it looked pretty good, and I thought that I would be able to push aside my feelings for Ben Affleck uh, to watch at least Oscar Isaac, Charlie Hunnam, and Pedro Pascal. This movie... You can never push away your feelings for Ben Affleck. Are we kidding? I really... This is still the reason why I haven't watched Argo, which everyone in the world tells me I need to watch Argo. I need to watch Argo. It's the best movie ever. It won an Oscar, and I'm like, but Ben Affleck is there. But I may have to watch it because, I, but I may have to watch it because I found out Scoot McNary's in it, and he, oh my, oh my god, god. So, so funny. Really quick before I totally roast Triple Frontier, but uh, Scoot, Scoot McNary is in it. And you know who plays his wife? The same oh, woman no. who pl- the same woman who plays Donna in *Halt and Catch Fire*. <laughs> and this is before *Halt and Catch Fire* came out, so they played a married couple before they, you know, played another married couple. So anyway, so um, *Triple Frontier*. At first, the like plot of it really feels like Den of Thieves. Remember Den of Thieves with um, Gerard Butler and uh, uh, Pablo Schreiber? You know, and the yes, whole thing yes. was a bunch, a bunch, you know, and the whole aspect is okay, a bunch of military guys who have felt kind of betrayed by their country so they decide to use their skills in order to rob places to make money because they deserve it. Okay, that's the plot of Genesis, but also that's the plot of Genesis, but also the plot of Triple Frontier. So all of these guys play former military who have been ultimately betrayed by pretty much America. Like Ben Affleck's character has been injured, he doesn't like get anything, you know, and his life kind of is pretty much in the shams and stuff and so Pretty much he is, uh, I forget which guy, but one of them is like, you know what we're going to do because we put all our blood, sweat, and tears into this bullshit. Now we have all these skills that are not, you know, at all, like, uh, usable in civilian life. So what we're going to do is we're going to go and steal a shit ton of money from these big, huge cocaine drug lords in another country. Yeah, we're going to go to Colombia and just do this. <laughs> and it's like, so he gets the gang back together, and they go down, and they're like, all right, it's just, you know, it's recognizance, right? We're just going to go in, we're going to go out, there's going to be no fighting, no this, we're just going in there to get the shit ton of money. It's like, yeah, 
you know that shit's going to go south. This movie was so, like, you saw everything happen before it even fucking happened. Obviously, it goes to hell. It was predictable. It was predictable. People end up dying. Then they got to fight. Then they're like, how do we get out of Colombia? We just went up against some huge drug lords, blah, blah, blah. They end up, and then, like, it, like, is a mixture between Genesis and this movie called The Way Back, where, like, they then have to trek through the, and when I say The Way Back, not the upcoming movie with Ben Affleck, the movie from 2012 with Ed Harris and Gustav Sarsgaard, where they have to, like, trek across the desert. So then suddenly in Triple Frontier, they're, like, trekking across the mountains, which are also extremely treacherous. Someone dies. You know, then they have Does to like, then they going up, on. Oh my God, it keeps going on. Then they lose a shit ton of money because they're in a plane and the plane needs to like go up high enough. But they're like, there's too much weight. We'll drop the money. But that's what we are in this whole fucking thing for is the money. It's like people have died, right? They went to a country to get all this money and then they're just dropping the money. And then the plane ends up crashing. And then they like suddenly are faced with this like village of farmers and then they're like oh let's give them some money and it's like always constantly giving away money and shit and then at the very end of the film someone you know someone ends up dying right and at the very end when they're all sitting there with their lawyers to determine what happens to the money and it's like okay they're all there to get their share of the money and shit like that and then one of them is like i'm going to send the money to the dead guy's you know family and then it's like, okay, well, you know that, like, that one guy did that thing. So the other guys are obviously going to look like huge dicks if they don't do the other. So they're like, okay, fine. We'll give all our money to the wife and kids of the dead guy. And it's like, so you guys all just oh, went there. Oh, of this anyways. Oh, there was no point. There was no point to the movie at all. It was like all of them, like they went down there to get money and shit, and they all like they lose someone, and they all end up giving their money away and shit. And I'm just like, this is so. And then they're all like, at the end, they all like agree never to like see each other ever again. Like they're gonna go their separate ways. They should have never it, done you know? it. <laughs> it's like they went from being friends to being we're never going to speak to each other ever freaking again, ever. Um, so I don't even know if it's been Affleck's fault, but it's been Affleck's fault. <laughs> He's the one who the time. <laughs> okay, it's a good movie then. Why is this on top 10? <laughs> No, 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 no. He ends up dying, and so then all the other suckers have to give up their money because they feel bad, so they give it up to give it to his family. It's like, way to go, Ben Affleck. You're ruining things from the grave. Um, no. <laughs> oh, my God. You're just like, and you're like, this is fault. <laughs> I know. I know. I just hated him so much. He just, and like, he just, like, I don't know, like, he, he didn't even look like he belonged there. He's clearly washed up. Like, Pedro Pascal, who I adore, who plays Mando in The Mandalorian, was like bland. Um, Charlie Hunnam was like bland. They had, there was one good character who played Charlie Hunnam's brother, Benny. I feel like anyone who plays a character named Benny is automatically I awesome. Would- I was like, the same thing. And, like, he doesn't die, but you think he's going to die, like, a thousand times. You're like, can you 
off. He's like the one good character in this freaking movie. Um, and Oscar Isaac is like way too excited for everything. He's the one who, it's like coming back to me now as I'm reading it. He's the one that's like, we're going to go to Columbia and steal this money. It's like, it's all your fault, mother effer. If you weren't so excited to get all of your buddies who all have like civilian lives now to go back with your crazy ass, none of this would happen. <laughs> You know, and they're like, Thanos did nothing wrong. This guy did everything wrong. Yeah. So that's going to be my number one is Triple Frontier. I thought it was awful. As soon as I started watching it, I was like, wow, they really did just copy, like, the plot to Den of Thieves, didn't they? <laughs> they were like, oh, All right. they didn't even do it well. They they looked at Tennessee. They watched like the first half of Tennessee's, like the first like half hour, and they were like, "This sounds great. We're gonna steal it and put a shit ton of really big actors in it, and no one's gonna know we stole it because you know Pablo Schreiber still isn't say like that big of an actor, and even though Gerard Butler is a pretty big actor, he still hasn't done a ton of shit in a while. So it's like we're just gonna do this, and no one's gonna question it. Those bastards. Yeah, yeah. I'm personally offended. <laughs> it was so bad for me. It was so bad. Um, I do have to say really quick, I had to kick this movie out of my ass because um I did have a different movie planned for my number one and then as I looked it up to get it in front of me, I didn't realize it was a two thousand eighteen movie. I could have sworn it was oh, a two thousand and nineteen movie. And I was like, shit. I was like, all right, well, I can't pick this now. God damn it. <laughs> right, um, right. You're like, you're like, can we just pretend? Just it, pretend. It was in 2019. But I still think that this is a pretty good entry for the number one in this top ten worst just because it's Ben Affleck. Let's be real. Right, right. You're like, we need to do a top ten worst Ben Affleck movies. And then we need to send it to Jawan, and then we're going to all get kicked off of Geek Vibe Nation. <laughs> Not only are we going to get kicked off of Geek Vibe Nation, we're probably going to get kicked off of the internet because people love that man. I just do not understand the appeal. The only role that I've ever liked him in was the accountant. And you, we all know that I really wasn't there for that movie for him. It was John Bernthal. It was John Bernthal. <laughs> it makes me think of, oh, I can't remember what that reminded me of, uh, of like an elongated phrase, like Ben Affleck. And oh, it's going to kill me. Thanks a lot, Tia. You're welcome. That's what I'm here for. Um, but so we have a little bit of time left. Um, do you have any, like, honorable mentions that you kind of want to throw out there or whatnot? I know that you said that you didn't see a whole lot of movies this year. <laughs> I know. Most of the movies I saw ended up being good movies, so they ended up on my top ten best. And then I was like, well, shit. I was like, I ain't got nothing left. Okay, I did see a lot of blockbusters this year, but not actually a lot of movies in general. I think it's like I almost get afraid of seeing bad movies because I don't want to waste some money. But uh, I will say what was really interesting is that when looking at top 10 best movies of 2019 and top 10 worst movies of 2019, you know what ended up on both lists like consistently? was crazy it was joker that ended up on both people's lists so 
Some people praised it. Some people fucking hated it. Hated it. And I was like, geez. I think people mostly hate it because they wanted to hate it and they wanted to say that it was a bad movie. Oh, it's going to uh, inspire so much violence. It inspired people to walk downstairs in a funny manner, let's be real. But um, I did I want to work with Spider Man. Like, you know, the dark Spider-Man, you know, like when uh, Tobey Maguire, like, dresses up, yes. like, all, like, emo. And just, like, dance down the stairs. I love it when people do those edits of them both together on the stairs. <laughs> I've seen those. I think they're so funny. I just think it, like, because I literally, like, saw that meme where people are like, what people thought Joker was going to inspire and obviously it was like, you know, shootouts and shit. What Joker really inspired, you just see all these like people literally going to the actual stairs that it was filmed on and dancing down and it's like, you guys are idiots. <laughs> um, but I wanted to point out two things really quick. Um, just this Friday, uh, a new Michael Bay movie was released on Netflix called Six Underground. And I put it on yesterday, and I still don't know what the hell happened in that movie. That's how bad it was. It, like, literally was every single Michael Bay, like, cliche, just, like, it was just, there was no plot. It was just random explosions, random this, random that, random this, random sex. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, my, I was getting whiplash because I was like, I have no idea what they're doing. There's no actual plot here. Like, it is just, like, ridiculousness um and then also you know i want sorry go ahead i was gonna say on michael bay movie have you ever noticed that the explosions just look like big fireworks where you're like yes. hit the ground and you're just like i'm pretty sure it doesn't look like fireworks hitting the ground but okay <laughs> if you say so michael bay if you think so <laughs> um and I also want to point out, I mean, I didn't see the movie, but it is something that if you have time for it, I wanted to touch upon really quick. Um, it's the new Charlie's Angels that came out. Uh, oh, no. With, with Kristen Stewart and, you know, Elizabeth Banks directed it. It was a huge flop. Um, and so yesterday, because I had absolutely nothing to do, even my boyfriend was like, why are you watching this? But on Netflix, the 2000 version of Charlie's Angels is there, the one with Drew Barrymore, Lucy Liu, and Cameron Diaz. And I put it on, and yes, it is campy. Yes, it is ridiculous. But it is so entertaining. And I'm like, is this why, and again, I haven't seen the new one, but it's like, is this why the new one failed? Because it decided not to just, go along with the campiness and go, it tried to be maybe too serious it tried to be too much of like maybe a serious action movie where I think that the original, not the original because the original was like what in the 80s, 70s or something but the 2000s, the one that we always, that we all grew up on it's like, did, was that successful because it was just so ridiculous and it wasn't like afraid to be ridiculous, it was like the error of you know like the, the scary movies you know not scary movies but you know you know what I mean the the, the parents yeah, yeah. movies you know and it's like is that why it was just so successful because it just wasn't afraid to be fucking silly as hell 
So I don't know. Have you seen the commercials for the new Charlie's Angels? Like, is there anything in you that has a desire to see them? No, because you know how it is for me. I don't have cable or satellite. So, and on uh, YouTube, I pay for the uh, premium YouTube, so I don't see commercials on there. I have been closed mm-hmm. off from these dirty, awful trailers and commercials. But I was going to say a quick thing about the original Charlie's Angels, the 2001, that gets me so much is when you showed me that clip with uh, Sam Rockwell. And, you know, when they're, like, trying to find that guy and it keeps, like, zooming in and on the computer, it's, like, overly, like, oh, I'm not fine, you know, analyzing. And I'm, like, that's not how any of that works. What are you doing? (laughs) To me, that's what was so hilarious is that it's so unrealistic. And you're, like, that's not how anything works. But uh, I said I was, like, uh is this new Charlie's Angels not successful because Destiny's Child didn't do a song about it? (laughs) (laughs) I saw that tweet. That's awesome. You know who's also in the 2000s and its sequel of Charlie's Angels? Um, Oh, no. Crispin Glover is in it. And he is fucking ridiculous. He's like a character. Like, all of them were just so, like, ridiculous, and I feel like maybe the new one just didn't succeed because it just, it was trying to be, like, too realistic, you know, and Elizabeth Banks had this whole thing where she blamed it on, like, sexism and shit, and I'm like, don't blame your shitty music on sexism. There's a lot of sexism out there, but I doubt that any of it had to do with the failure of your movie. Right, like Charlie's Angels, a beloved thing that has been on air for years, and people love the movie, love the show, and you're telling me you make something uh, exactly like it, and people like it. Oh, it must be sexism, and one of the least sexist eras of our time. Yeah, sure. I mean, people, you know, obviously you had sexist trolls who didn't like Captain America, but Captain America and not Captain America, I'm sorry, Captain Marvel I need more coffee but Captain Marvel did, we talked about it last week, did over a billion in the box office, clearly people like that shit, and oh Brittany you actually have to see the trailer for the new Wonder Woman movie it looks amazing I I need to see the first Wonder Woman it wasn't that bad It, I think, still suffered a little from, like, you know, like, what we've seen kind of in the past DC movies, you know, like, that style. Um, And I know I'm going to get flack for it, but I think that because Zack Snyder has nothing to do now with DC, that it's a little different. But um, the new one looks amazing. I have to send it to you because I literally, like, became obsessed with the trailer alone. It looks so good. Um, the first one is good. The first one has some issues that I think could have been, like, rectified. But, yeah, the trailer for the new one looks amazing. My whole point is Elizabeth Banks. It's possible. You just didn't do it. Um, oh, shit. She's coming don't for get, you. Just don't get Kristen Stewart to star in your movie. I don't know what to tell you. It's a pretty simple formula here. She has the um, emotional capability of a dead fish. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that there's probably some people who are going to listen to this and be like, they're being very sassy. And it's like, I just, there is, what happened to Captain Marvel? 
is sexism. What happened to your movie, Charlie's Angels, was just that you made a bad movie, and now you just don't want to admit that you made a bad movie. Like, stop right. trying to capitalize. Make your own freaking movie. Don't make a new Charlie's Angels. Um, but, yeah, that's my whole thing. But, um, Brittany, this has been an amazing list. I think that we went through some amazing, amazingly bad movies uh, of 2019. And dare I say, I can't wait till 2020 to see what sort of bad and good movies we have in store. But um, by the way, your voice got a lot better over the course of this uh, podcast, I have to say. I've been guzzling water, like in between things. I was like, it, <laughs> I was like, I must lubricate the throat. <laughs> like I said last week, you just don't realize how wrong things sound when they come out of your mouth. No! <laughs> no! <laughs> Oh my god, but please, please, um, let everyone know what we can expect, you know, where we can find you, and all that jazz. I going to say, you can always find me at Twitter at uh, itty bitty, blah, 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 itty bitty Brit Zero, <laughs> because uh, that is going along with my Twitch channel, uh, which you can find me at twitch.tv, uh, what was that, slash? What what is that thing I'm looking for? Not underscore. Um, wow, you flash. don't even know. Here. <laughs> no, what what's that? What's that? What is that? Uh, uh, the I can't. I'm so. You gotta understand. I've been sickly and my throat hurts. Uh, what's it like? It's because it, it's itty bitty Brit at Twitch, but the thing is like Twitch TV slash itty bitty Brit, but I couldn't remember what the slash was called. It's called a slash. It's just called a slash? Okay, I'm not an idiot. You're you're judging me. <laughs> but you can always find me at Twitch. I've been streaming a lot. Normally I'm doing it at 9 p.m. Central Time, uh, Monday through Friday, except for Tuesdays, which that will probably be changing soon now that I'm out of class for the holidays. But, uh, but yeah, find me there. We've been playing a lot of Dark Souls, and you can hear me uh, panic scream, as my viewers like to say. <laughs> um, yes, please, everyone, make sure that you check that out, um, because she has been doing a lot of that, believe me. Uh, she tells me every morning, I was streaming for six hours, and I'm like, holy shit. Um, I was <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but please, everyone, make sure that you, uh, you know, check me out on Twitter and Instagram, Fia Baby. It's the same thing on both. Also, check out Geek Vibes Nation on both platforms. Um, we got a lot coming up uh, later on today. We're doing the Geek Vibes Live, which is really fun. We got tons of stuff on our website. Awesome podcast. We have um these really great gals who have joined us and they, uh, by the way, Brittany is amazing. I should send this to you. Uh, we have these great gals who are doing a podcast called the red room and it is all about black widow. Uh, they dissected the first trailer for black widow and they're going to just continue going on. And they are huge. Steve Rogers and Natasha Romanoff shippers. So already. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, we obviously do uh, Scene and Nerd. We have uh, an affiliation with them, as well as the main Damie. They call 
this a movie because I'm absolutely obsessed with their podcast. So make sure you check all of that out as well. And also, this may be very off topic, but everyone, if you are on Twitter, you may have seen that, uh, first of all, you know that Brittany and I are huge American Gods fans, and Orlando Jones just came out with the news that um, the new showrunner for season three has fired him because of, quote, unquote, Mr. Nancy was too angry. Um, and I... That's uh, the point. And I, exactly, and I urge everyone on Twitter to let, um, you know, let their, uh, you know, let it be known how uh, how upset they are over this, because I'm still furious over it. It was the one thing I was thinking about, I'm like, can we do a whole podcast, like, talking about this, but, um, yeah, so these are the top 10 worst movies of 2019, thank you everyone for being here, I'm going to go eat breakfast now, so, have a great day. <laughs> Have a great day. Uh, We'll see you all next time. Bye. Bye.